Welcome to the Ramp Church Podcast. We are so honoured that you've joined us today and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church forward slash mcr or find us on social media. Now let's head straight into this week's message. Pastor Joe. Can we just honor Pastors Joe and Stacy? So, just gonna start a bit unprofessional. This is a sweat rag, and I brought a black one that I've lost. <laughs> and my sister has to go all the way home to get this one just for me right now because I'm about to sweat in a few minutes. <laughs> so, if you found my sweat rag anyway, just bring it back to me, please. <laughs> Don't steal it. We're in church. Don't steal. Right, okay, so I'm excited to share with you guys today. Um, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, verse 10. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing here around church. We thank you for what you're stirring in this community. Lord, as we go into your word, would you uh, fill us with revelation, give us insight into what you're doing at this time, help our lives to be fully in sync and in sequence with the movement of heaven. Thank you that your angels are behind this movement and you've already assigned them to steward, to guard, to go ahead of us, to fight, to do all sorts of things. And so, Lord, right now we partner with heaven. And we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Genesis 28 is a story about um, Jacob. And uh, just a backstory for those of you that don't know who Jacob is. Jacob is one of those significant people in scripture the grandson of Abraham. <laughs> and so uh, the way we talk about Jacob is in the context of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. And so uh, Jacob, the reason why we use the word Jacob as the third name there as opposed to Esau, because Jacob was the second born and Esau was the first born. Uh, the reason why we do that is because Jacob did something uh, that was his, but he did it the wrong way. So he was meant to receive the blessing. That was the prophecy, and he was meant to carry that blessing. But he went about receiving that blessing in a very deceptive way. And the way we understand blessing today is very different to how they understood blessing. It seemed like a life or death matter when it comes to the whole thing about blessing. Because when he stole his brother's blessing, his, brother's, his brother wept bitterly. As in, it was something that felt very weighty. It wasn't something like uh, 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 Isaac could just turn around and go, Oh, you know what? The same prayer I prayed over, over uh, what's his name? Jacob. I'm just going to pray over you right now, Esau. You're going to receive the blessing. So it was like he had, he had released the deposit over, uh, uh, what's his name? Jacob. He had released the deposit over Jacob, and that was it. Now, that's not how we think about blessing. Like, oh, Pastor Joe, lay hands on me and bless me right now. It was something weightier than that because this blessing was connected to covenant. Everyone say covenant. Say covenant again. In our generation, we have a very low understanding of covenant. 
And it was through covenant God gave Abraham this blessing. And there was lots tied into this covenant. And so Abraham passed it on to his son, um, Isaac. And Isaac stewarded that. And Isaac also walked with God. So Isaac did not just walk in the shadow of Abraham's kind of walk with God. Isaac had his own walk with God. Are you with me? Because to faithfully carry that blessing, he had to have a walk with God. And that blessing was, you know, transferred to Isaac. And Isaac was meant to transfer it to one of his sons. And prophecy was he was meant to go to Jacob. But Jacob deceived his brother by dressing like his brother. Because at this time, Isaac was blind. And he deceived his father. And he received the blessing in a deceptive way. But because the blessing was connected to covenant, even though he received it in a deceptive way, him receiving the blessing implicated him. What he received was now going to regulate his life. So it wasn't just empty what happened to him. Now what we're about to read is something that happened as a direct result of the fact that he received the blessing. See, Repeat after me, life is spiritual. See, in the 21st century, the way we live life, you know, especially in the West, we just think the world is consisted of this three-dimensional world and what we can see. But I want to announce to you that there is a lot more going on in the realm of the spirit, which you can't see with your natural eyes right now, than what you can see with your natural eyes. And in fact, this may shock you, but the realm of the spirit is superior to this physical realm. Why would I say that? Because God is spirit. John tells us that. And from his realm, he created this realm. And we also know that he created us to function in this realm, in this physical dimension. But he also created us to interact with the spiritual realm. Why do I say that? Because when God created Adam, Adam saw God and talked to God and wasn't freaked out that God was speaking to him. He walked with God in the cool of the day. And Adam was flesh and blood and Adam was a human being, right? Okay, so if Adam could interact with God so easily, that was God's intention for man to be able to live in this world but interact with the spirit world because God was going to use man's spirit as a conduit through which he was going to influence this domain. Are you, are you hearing me? So this guy, uh, what's his name again? Jacob, he received this blessing. And so when he received this blessing, we come to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place. I don't say a certain place. We don't have time to break this down properly, but I just want to highlight to you that that word certain place, if you look it up um, in, the, in the Hebrew, the, uh, the concordance in the Hebrew letter, you can look it up. It's called Macomb, M-A, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. M-A-Q-O-M. That's the name of, a that's what that certain place means in Hebrew. Merkom, M-A-Q-O-M. You can look it up. And what that means is a sacred place. And also it's referred to as the place. So when it came to a certain place, there's a reason why that's emphasized there for me. Okay, and we'll read on and we don't have time to dig into that. And he stayed there all night because... The sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it on his, at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth with, it, with its top reached to heaven. 
And the angels of God were ascending and descending. Because we have so much to read in this, I'll just try to break down a few things as we go along. Otherwise, by the time I come back to you, you're going to forget what we already read. Anyone like that here? So Abraham is running away from his brother. Are you tracking with me? Because he stole the blessing and his brother wants to kill him. Anyone having siblings like that here today? Hands up. <laughs> his brother wanted to kill him because he stole something that was rightfully for Esau. But the prophecy was, was meant to happen. So Esau is going to kill Jacob or really mad at Jacob. And Jacob is running for his life. As Jacob is running for his life, he has no idea that even though he thought he was running from Jacob, a sacred place, which was a place that was connected to his grandfather. So this place is stumbled upon. His grandfather had done something here. And we don't have time to dig into this, but his grandfather in Genesis 12 built an altar at this very location. His grandfather, who was the one that received the covenant in the first place? The grandfather who the blessing started with, Abraham, yeah? He built an altar in this place. We'll touch on altars in a few moments. And because he built an altar in that place, Abraham was dead, but the altar was still active. Altars that are built, especially with so much spiritual potency, never die. Okay, let me just give you a quick definition of altars. Altars are often physical places that give access for the spirit world to influence this world. Altars are places of worship. Altars are places of prayer. In the New Testament, you're a mobile altar because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. However, when we gather to worship and we gather to pray and we do that consistently, that place becomes an altar if we do it according to the specifications of heaven. Is anyone with me this morning? So Jacob is running from Esau. He thinks he's running for his life, but his father's altar was summoning him. Are you hearing me? He thinks he's running away from danger, but the blessing and the covenant connected to the blessing was drawing him to a location for an encounter. Because this was not going to be just an ordinary thing. He thought he could just receive the blessing and get on the rest of his life. No, no, no. So he gets to this place. He picks up probably one of the stones that his grandfather had used to build an altar. And then he places his head on it. Now, you may not understand why a human being would use a stone for a pillow. I don't either. But I can tell you this. I've been to many places, spoken in many places, been in many hotel rooms, lived, uh, visited many houses, and may, like some of you in this place. And there are times where as soon as I put my head on the pillow... I go into a spiritual experience that oftentimes has nothing to do with me, but has a lot to do with what the person who was there before had been doing. Because you thought you put your head on a pillow, but actually you just put your head on an altar. And what happened was Jacob was so calculated in his mind and how he was functioning with spiritual things. God, has to, God had to shut down his physical calculating mind to open, him up, to open him up to a spiritual reality that he had no idea about. So through the lens of the altar, God gave Jacob a perspective of where he was sleeping. Have you seen the perspective of where you live from the spirit realm? Do you realize that what we see in this room right now, this is just a physical world. If your spiritual eyes are open, there is more going on in the realm of the spirit than what you can see around here. And so when 
you have altars that are potent, they can be a pathway for you to see what is truly going on in the realm of the spirit. And for God to do that for, for uh, Jacob, he had to put him to sleep. So you can't just take dreams lightly. Now, I'm not saying all dreams are from God. But some of you will know, there are some dreams that you know, heaven is speaking to me. Now, you know, dreams can be confusing sometimes where you're like, I'm trying to understand what the seven cows mean and, you know, what the ten horns mean. And, you know, why did, uh, you know, you know, I, had, I dream about my, you know, about this person and they had three heads. And <laughs> I mean, I know what I'm talking about. But there's so much in it that sometimes you just need, I mean, all the time you need, because what's happened is you've engaged revelation. Now you need the spirit of wisdom to interpret what you've seen. This dream that, uh, that Jacob had was not one that needed interpretation because it was literal. Are you hearing me? It was clearly stating what was going on where he was. Again, because of time, I don't really have much time to kind of dig deep in some of these realities about dreams and, you know, how your spirit never sleeps. I hope you realize that. You know, physically, you go to a room and you fall asleep. The fact that your body sleeps does not mean your spirit sleeps. And by the way, you have a spirit. You're a spiritual being. You're not just this physical body. When, when your body dies, you're still going to exist. Every human being lives forever because our essence is eternal. We came from eternity. Every human being lives forever. It's just a matter of where you live forever. There's heaven and there's hell. God's desire is not that anyone will end up in hell. He wants us to be with him in eternity in his presence. That's why he made a way through Jesus to get rid of the barrier that stops us from living with him in eternity. And that barrier is sin. So if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you gave your life to Jesus, but you're living a life that doesn't, doesn't have that kind of essence of a believer that's walking with God. Today is a day to give your heart to Jesus. Salvation is a free gift. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything for it. All you need to say is, yes, Lord, I acknowledge I've sinned. And all I want is relationship with you. Get rid of my sin, Lord. In fact, you already paid for it by the, by the cross and by Jesus' blood. And Lord, I surrender to you. It's very simple, but you have to mean it because it's also going to cost you everything. It cost him everything. He's also, he wants you to give him everything because he's giving you everything. He wants you to live with him forever in eternity. Okay, that was a quick gospel preach. Let's get back to the, <laughs> let's get back to the storyline. So Jacob goes and he has this dream. And look at what it says in the dream. Um, Behold, everyone say a ladder. And look at what it says here. A ladder was set up on earth. Say set up on earth. So the ladder was not set up in heaven. Where was it set up? Meaning a human angel, a human agent on earth set it up. The ladder was going from earth to heaven, not from heaven to earth. The ladder was set up on the earth, reaching to heaven. Okay, now on that ladder was ascending. It says um, uh, at the top of it reached to the heavens. And the angels of the Lord were ascending and descending. Again, this gives us an insight into the oscillatory motion of the spiritual activity taking place in that territory. The angels were not descending and then ascending. They were what? They were what? Come on, church. Is anyone alive in this place? They were what? Ascending, ascending and then 
So what was responsible for their motion was earthbound. Because the ladder was set up on earth. Why were they going up and down? Because Abraham did some spiritual transactions in that location. And so if angels are going up and down, what's that? That's angelic traffic. When you have traffic in the natural, what does that point to? A city. So there was a spiritual city that was being set up by Abraham because of his altar. And what he was doing by setting up that altar was to secure the territory in the spirit for the future generations. Because you can't take possession of a place physically if you have not taken possession of it spiritually. Ram Church, you want a building, right? Ram Church, we want a space right now, right? Why do you think we're fasting and why do you think we're praying? Why do you think we're seeking the Lord? We are raising up these altars because we have to take possession first spiritually and then it manifests in the natural. So the angels were ascending and descending and then let's move to the next verse, verse, 5, verse uh, 13. And behold, the Lord stood at the top of it. This is one of the few places in Scripture where the Lord is standing. He's always sitting. The Lord stood. If I remember correctly, when Stephen was being stoned, guess what? He stood. In the book of Ephesians, it says we are seated with him. He's often seated. We are the resting posture. But now he's standing. Something is interesting about that posture. When he stands, the devil better know he's in trouble. And by the way, Satan is not the opposite of God. In case you're wondering. Because God has no opposites. It's not a fight between God and Satan. Like God is struggling to get rid of the... No, 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 no. All the Lord needs is just one glance at Satan and he disintegrates into nothing. Because he's a created being. If Satan had an opposite, it would be another high-ranking angelic being. So God comes as us as humans to defeat Satan. To show us how he should remain defeated. Because the battle right now is between the kingdom of darkness, the, the realm of darkness, and the people of God representing God on the earth. So God is using us, our spirit, as the avenue through which he can influence the earth. Okay, so uh, the Lord is standing in this place and, um, and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac. Notice what, notice what was missing here. God says, I am the God of Abraham. And I am the God of Isaac. God didn't say, I am also the God of Jacob. Because at this point, God had not yet become the God of Jacob. He was still running in the shadow of his parents' walk with God. He had not had his own... See, some of you, you're coming to church. Oh, my parents brought me to church. Oh, this is what we do on Sundays. You need to have your own encounter with God. It's not just the God of, you know, Pastor John Stacy. It's not just the God of some mighty man of God, woman of God you heard about in history. It's the God of Catherine Coleman. Fill in the blanks. He wants to be your God. <laughs> he wants you to have an encounter with him. This is God bringing, luring Jacob into the place of encounter. So now Jacob, I mean, yeah, he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your father. Uh, uh, yeah, Abraham, the, the God of Isaac. And then the Lord says, the land on which you lie. That's why I know this is a literal dream. This is not a figurative dream. God refers to the location it was in. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also to your descendants shall be as the, your descendants shall be as the, as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you all the seed 
And in, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 15. Oh, how did he show up here? <laughs> My towel is showing up, everyone. <laughs> okay, let's get, let's get back in the spirit. Let's get back in the spirit. <laughs> I actually don't know where that came from. Was it back there? <laughs> it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Praise God. <laughs> So where are we? Where are we? Verse 15. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. You see how God is, God is like courting Jacob. God, God is drawing him. He says, I will do this for you. I have, that's the same way God is courting many of you right now. That's why you're in this building. You know, in this, some of you... There's someone here right now, to come here this morning was a fight for you. Oh, you're just feeling, you know, I can just, I can just watch it online. I, why do I have to go? But it took every ounce of energy for you to be here. And God is wanting you to know that he's the one that drew you here because he wants to do something unique in you, even in the service. So you're not here by accident. The Lord was drawing Jacob. Okay, and then verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. And said, surely the Lord is in this place. Say, surely the Lord is in this place. See, the Lord was already there before he said those words. But Jacob didn't know the Lord was there. Haven't you been in services where someone is having a life-changing encounter with God and the other person is yawning and bored? You could come to ramp service and someone, God is changing their life. Right in that corner. Like, Things going on, you hear about weeks from then, and you go, that happened to you over there? And you're in the same service, bored, looking at your phone, checking up, checking, looking up WhatsApp messages. Because, listen, earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush is ablaze. Those who see it take off their shoes, while others stand around and pick berries. Heaven is manifesting, looking for spaces to manifest. And when your heart starts to get hungry, you can tune into what's already there that you never knew was there in the first place. Jacob said, God is in this place. And he's in this place too. He's your hunger that will connect to what's already here. So if you come here, you're bored, you're disconnected. Listen, have you ever tried to share a story with someone? Like you're so excited and you get, and you want to start sharing this experience you've had with them. And as you look at them, they start yawning. And I just saw someone yawn right now. I'm not going to call you out. Don't worry. <laughs> Just said, call them out. <laughs> I mean, like if, you, if you're so excited and you're trying, and they're yawning and they're like looking at their watch, what does that do to your inspiration and excitement? It goes down. So even at the human level, much doesn't come out of you if you don't sense the person you're talking to is really engaged, interested, and hungry. If at the human level that happens to you, what do you think happens at God's level? See, have you ever been to a party you know you're not wanted at? And you, you, they didn't tell you they didn't want you there, but when you got there, you felt the vibes that they didn't want you there. Why would you stay there? Some of you come to church with your body, but you don't really want to be here. You go to pray, but you don't want to be there. And everything you're saying and doing is clear. You don't want to be there. And God can tell you don't want to be there. Why do you think he wants to reveal more to you when he can see that you don't want to be with him? 
Now, I'm not saying you don't have struggles and prayer times where your flesh is crying out. In those moments, just say, Lord, I'm feeling bored, but you know what? That's my flesh. I'm still going to stay here right now because I want you. Even if my flesh is trying to say something different, I know I really, my spirit wants you. Don't, I'm not saying ignore the realities. Be honest with God. I mean, he knows everything anyway. What's the point trying to hide? So, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? And this is where I want to wrap up. I've got about 10 minutes. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is none other than the house of God. And the gate of heaven. This is the first time in scripture that house of God, those words are used. Based on the law of first mentions, which basically is the first time something is mentioned in scripture, says a lot about God's intention and purpose and heart about that thing. So studying that thing gives us an idea about how God sees it all through the rest of the scriptures. This is the first time the word house of God is used. And guess what? A building was not mentioned. How can he be talking about a house and there are no four walls? Because this is a spiritual house. And he says, this is not all the, this place is not other than the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven he was referring to was not in heaven. The gate of heaven was on the earth. So the earth realm that was through Abraham's transaction in the spirit, we created that altar. There was, for lack of a better word, because some of you get freaked out by this word, but actually, this, you see it in movies, you understand what I mean. There was a portal. There was interaction of dimensions in that location because of that altar. So now, that altar is not just physical, it's now a gate. To enter another realm. And Jacob said, this place is none other than the house of God. So the church is not the building. I mean, we know that. But it's good to state that again. And God, by the way, is going to give us buildings. Okay? I know that. But I want you to understand that the building is not what makes the church. The church is what makes the building. So, if Jacob said, this is not other than the house of God, the gate of heaven, no local congregation is qualified to be called a church or qualified to be called a house of God if there is no gateway there to heaven. Pastor watching me online, can we access heaven from your congregational meeting? Or are we going to just access religion? Why do you think we worship the way we worship? You think we're just putting on a show here? <laughs> because we are engaging. This, this, listen, there are a few Africans in the room. You understand what I'm trying to say? When you see some of those African witch doctors doing their rituals, they're dancing, they're, you see the, 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 all the drums, all the sounds, they don't care what you think because they're engaging a principle to access a spiritual reality. Now, I'm not saying we're copying them because the Bible says make a joyful noise. The Bible says dance. All these things have been said, not just so that it can just be a show we put on. Because these are ways in which we engage spiritual realities. And things can open up. In, 
I got delivered through a dance. In the year 2000, I don't have time to go into it, but a dance that made me look like a headless chicken. And while it's happening, I am thinking, oh, because what's going on? Please stop this. Well, they I am being delivered. That's why I can speak before you right now, because of that encounter in the year 2000. So there are physical acts that have corresponding spiritual realities that open up to you according to how you respond in certain moments to God. This is no other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And you know, I've got seven minutes, so let's, let's wrap this up. New Testament, Matthew 16. Can I come down? Because I need to see you eyeball to eyeball. So you'll fall asleep and yawn at me right now. I'm going to call you. No, I'm not going to do that. This is none other than the house of God. The gate of heaven. In Matthew 16, Jesus comes along and, and talks about a house that he wants to build. He says, I will build my church. That's the first time the word church is used. Today, we think church is just a building. That's, again, Jesus did not mean a building. The Greek word there is ecclesia. And if you don't know what the ecclesia are, ecclesia are our governing body. If Rome were to conquer Manchester, which I believe happened many centuries ago, if I'm not mistaken, they conquer a territory like Manchester, Rome ruled differently to Babylon. Babylon would take all the intelligent people. Rome would send the ecclesia. I, I, am I making sense? Babylon sucks out all the talent. Well, that's another message because there's also that spirit of Babylon at work right now. But let's move on. <laughs> ecclesia, ecclesia. It was the Roman ideology. Notice God did not say, I'll build my synagogue. God did not say, I'll build my assembly. He specifically used a Greek word that made sense to the people he was speaking to. The Ecclesia were not some wimpish people that were scared about who they were and were scared about people who thought about them. They understood their authority. They knew their assignment. And the group of the Ecclesia, the job of the Ecclesia was to go into a territory and make that territory look like Rome. Do you understand that? So the job of the church is to spiritually colonize regions and make those regions look like heaven. Why do you think he told us to pray? Your, my kingdom come, you know, will be done on, on earth. He's asked us to pray because it won't happen without prayer. And so, Jesus says, I'll build my ecclesia. Listen to what he says. And the gates, plural, the gates of hell will not prevail. So, this is where it gets scary. Because when Jacob built that altar, he opened up, sorry, when Abraham built that altar, he opened up a gate. A gate that connected to heaven. Then Jesus comes and talks about another form of gate. The gate Jesus talks about does not connect to heaven. Where does it connect to? Hell. So, in Jacob's scenario we just read, there is a gate because there is an altar. There is an altar because there is a priest. If Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail, there is a gate because there's also a demonic altar. And there is also a demonic altar because there's also people who service that altar who are priests. 
they're humans who give themselves to darkness because priesthood is given heavenly permission is, is given heaven permission to interfere with things on the earth that's what priesthood is and that works on the positive side in the kingdom of God but also that works in the kingdom of darkness so priesthood is giving heaven permission to invade the earth prayer worship fasting that's what we're engaging in priesthood and as we do that, we're cultivating an altar that opens up a gateway for heaven to influence earth. But on the other side, there's also an altar that is opening gateways to hell. So on the angelic uh, kingdom altar, angels are ascending and descending on the demonic side. Demons are descending. And by the way, in case you're freaked out by demons, read your Bible, demons, angels, heaven, hell, it's all there. I'm not saying anything kind of you know, extra biblical and heresy. It's all, Jesus cast out demons. Talk about, it's all there in the New Testament, okay? So don't get freaked out. On the demonic side, there are altars that open up portals for demons to uh, uh, come from hell and their goal is to influence the earth. So when the church steps into a territory, as you observe the lives of the people in that territory, you get a gauge on what altar is ruling in that territory. Is it the altar of the house of God? Or is it the altar of the devil? And we know the altar of the devil tends to be influencing places. Because just look at the people's lifestyles. Drunkenness, addictions, suicide, abortion, all that. And the darkness is because there is a spirit. In, life is spiritual. There is a spirit influence that's causing people to behave in that way. Romans, sorry, Ephesians 2 tells us the people of this world, they've come under the influence of the God of this age. And they're now the sons of disobedience. In other words, have you seen the Matrix? You see those agents, like, you know, someone is going about their normal business and then they spot Neil. The moment they spot him, they transform into the agent, right? That's what happens when you're not a believer. You become a mobile access point for the devil to do whatever he wants to do. Because you're not under God's government, so you're exposed. He can do whatever he wants to do through you. You don't have to be actively engaging in darkness. If you're not submitted to God by default, the devil has you. Are you isn't, there's no middle ground. It's not like, oh, you know, oh yeah, you know, I, I went to church last Sunday. You went to church, boy, you're sleeping around. You went to church, boy, you're watching whatever you want. You went to watch, you go to church, boy, you're doing whatever you want. But your lifestyle, we know you're not submitted to God. So you're a double agent. God wants to deliver you from that lifestyle today. He wants you to submit yourself to his altar. Because he wants you to be a channel through which he can invade the earth. Ram Church, we're, we're believing God for a building, but God is wanting to do something in us before we get that building. So when we get the building, wherever we go, we raise up an altar in worship and prayer that's giving heaven permission to influence the earth. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here because my time is up. When pastor says, keep going. <laughs> He's giving me permission. I didn't ask him. He said it. Though. I'll just say this because I'm aware of time. When you, in, when you initially start engaging in priesthood, okay, so that's prayer, worship. Initially, you will not see results. Because when you step into a territory, even Abraham had this, again, we don't have time. When you start, there's already a ruling altar of darkness in that territory. 
So it's going to take some time for you to build momentum in the spirit. To get to a spiritual equilibrium and then surpass that altar. And when you surpass that altar, it will manifest in the natural. Because life is spiritual as... My, my, my Apple Watch is talking to me. <laughs> when you surpass that, that altar, because life is spiritual, there will be signs in the natural that will show you you've broken through in the region. And we are on a journey right now. And this is where I'm going to wrap up. As you begin to invest in uh, building these altars, sometimes when you're at the point of breaking through, the greatest discouragements come. You know why? Because the demons in the territory responsible for the altar of darkness there, they don't want your altar to surpass their influence. So they will do everything to stop you from praying. The prayer meeting that God wants to use to bring breakthrough into your life, that's the prayer meeting you're going to feel so depressed you don't want to go to. The more, see, it's always darkest just before dawn. When God is about to break, then the devil will do something. He gets you mad. He gets you offended. Oh, I'm not going to church. And that service was the service. Are you? <laughs> that was the meeting God was going to use to shift you. But the enemy was trying to just stop you from engaging in spiritual activities to break his influence off of your life. And Ram Church, we're on a journey. And I believe we reached the point where it's like we're, we're, we're edging to that spiritual equilibrium in Manchester. And as we are getting to that place, guess what happens? Three buildings in the same week, we're about to lose them. I know you might just think, see that as coincidence. I see that as encouragement and a sign that what we're doing is having an impact in the spirit. And so this is not the time to back off. We're if we're going to go to St. Peter's, we're going to keep fasting. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep, because when we surpass that thing and break through in the heavens, the buildings and the money is going to come like water. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're going to see it flow so easily. The same applies to your personal life. We're talking on the church level, but it applies to you. For some of you, there are patterns you see in your family. You're born again, but it doesn't mean you're a priest. The fact that you're born again does not mean you're functioning as a priest. And this morning, God wants you to function as a priest. Because he wants you to surpass some limitations that are in your family. All the women are divorced, for example. Um, no one lives past a certain age, for example. Every time anyone gets into a relationship, it breaks down, for example. Or every time someone is about to do something significant in their life, it falls apart. And you see that trend... It's a sign that something in the spirit is responsible for the pattern. And so it's a summon for you to build an altar to surpass whatever is influencing that pain. It doesn't always mean you're focusing on the devil. Just seek God. Fix your... And there are times where he will tell you to rebuke the devil. But if he's not telling you, just press into him as you're praying in tongues and seeking him. You're increasing in spiritual influence and rank. And you're going to break through. I'm telling you.